Hi, I'm a higher ed CMO, and I have a confession to make. I actually didn't apply to any colleges. My parents told me uh, what university that they would pay for, which I'm ever grateful that they paid for my college, but it was the university that I was attending as a high school student. So in my state, if you were a certain rank in your high school class, you could take college classes at the University of Minnesota or any other institution in Minnesota. Um, and the state actually paid for those credits. And so I just kept going to the University of Minnesota because that's what my parents said they'd pay for. And so I have not really a lot of personal experience with uh, college search. And because I don't have any children, um, I don't have any sort of secondhand knowledge either. And so when Denise Lamphere shared with me information about a, a project that she undertook with her son to collect all of the materials that her son got over his time um, from his freshman year until his senior year and kind of do a little report on what that looked like. I was absolutely fascinated. And I think that you will really enjoy hearing Denise's insights in this episode. Welcome to Confessions of a Higher Ed CMO, the podcast designed for higher education marketers. I'm your host, Jamie Hunt, and I am so excited to have this opportunity to share insights and inspiration. With Confessions of a Higher Ed CMO, I'm designing a different kind of podcasting experience. With each episode, I'll be bringing in a guest for a deep dive into the challenges and joys we all face in higher education marketing. After each episode, you can join the conversation on Twitter by using the hashtag HigherEdCMO. I would love to see this become like a book club, but for a podcast. And be sure to follow me on Twitter at at JamieHuntIMC. That's J-A-I-M-E-H-U-N-T-I-M-C for more opportunities to connect. I'm absolutely thrilled to be here with Denise Lamphere, who is the Director of Marketing and Communications at Des Moines University. Denise, how are you? I'm great. It's so exciting to be here, Jamie. I'm so happy to have you. I was telling Denise before we started recording that um, when I saw the um, PowerPoint that she presented at the CupRap conference about the topic we're tackling today, I got so geeked out. Like, I absolutely... Was like we have to have to have her on the show. This is this is going to be amazing. So before we jump into talking about um, the project that you undertook with your son, tell us a little bit about your higher ed journey. Yeah, uh, it's been a little bit all over the place to be honest with you. I've spent most of my career either working for higher ed or healthcare, and in some cases, I've been doing both at uh, at two different places. Um, when I got my uh, undergraduate degree at the University of Iowa, I worked in the public relations offices for the colleges of medicine and nursing and um, pharmacy. Did a quick stint as a daily newspaper reporter, and then. Um, uh, worked at Grinnell College in Iowa for a number of years. And then I always joke that I got the only other public relations job in Grinnell, Iowa at the hospital there. And I actually stayed a little bit longer than I ever intended to, but it was a very progressive place. And um, uh, learned a lot and had a lot of fun there. About six years ago, I was like, I miss higher ed. And um, I uh, was fortunate enough to get a position leading the communications team at Central College in Pella, Iowa. And um, I stayed there for about five years. And I just very recently joined the um, team at Des Moines University promoting um, the medical and health sciences here in, in Des Moines. That's awesome. So I have to end this conversation now because I didn't realize you went to University of Iowa, which is just oh, my, is that... you know, arch enemy. So oh, it's been no. great. Fight, those, those are fighting words. Oh, no. <laughs> I, I had someone on my staff um, at Miami went there and it was just this constant because I went to University of Minnesota, this constant like battle between us every time she'd be like, oh, yeah, I'm from Iowa. I'd be like, 
Mm-hmm. Yep. Nobody's <laughs> perfect, you know. <laughs> right. Well, th- this is true. Uh, you know, I will say, though, one thing that Iowa did do really well this year was basketball, women's basketball. How about that? Like, you have to give us that, right, Jamie? Well, you beat us all the time. So. <laughs> <laughs> I am contractually obligated to hate Iowa, but I do have to acknowledge that you are superior to us in most sports. My sister actually just took a job at the University of Minnesota, and I'm just like the proudest big sister ever. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So um, you tackled this amazing project with your son. I would love to hear from you about this project that you undertook with him. Key word there is project. Earlier, I, when you and I were talking, you called it a study, and I want nothing to do with something as official as that because it really there's just so many ways that this is not you know scientific. It's it's really a mom's perspective, who also happens to be um, a marketer who's been doing this for a while, and you know watching her ninth grader through twelfth grade son um, experience how colleges were approaching him and um, kind of some of the things that I took away with the support of my team at, at Central College at the time. It was one of those things, it takes a long time for an idea to, to come to you. And then other times you're like, I'm doing this and it's going to be amazing. He received his very first piece of college material in August, right before he started his freshman year in high school. And I'd been working at Central uh, maybe a little over a half a year at that point. And it was fascinating watching him get this piece. Again, he's only a freshman. He's very young. He He was jazzed. Mom, I got this piece in the mail from... Um, a college and feel it. It had like a soft touch on it. And so he was really um, enamored with this uh, soft touch material. I can't believe that colleges are already recruiting me like somebody wants me. Like that was, you know, his wide eyed um, uh, freshman take on it. I'll be honest with you. By the time this project was all said and done, he was like, oh, not another piece. Please make it stop. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Which is, I think, part of the lesson of of what I have to, to share for us all in terms of figuring out all of that. Um, And so kind of in that moment, I was like, huh, I wonder if there's something that I can glean from this because I'm back in to higher ed after being out of it for a number of years and focusing on healthcare marketing. And um, so I, I had a conversation with him a few days later and I said, you know, I've been thinking about you getting that piece of mail and I'm wondering, would you embark on a four year project with me? And I'm thinking if if we could do this, we get the pieces in the mail, we'll date them as soon as they arrive in the, in the house. So, you know, we had a big old black Sharpie in our, by our mail place at home and we date the, the materials. And then he also agreed to write in a journal about like his take oh. on some of the pieces that uh, he got. You know, sometimes they were really thoughtful comments and other times they were like, yep, there's another one with a tree on it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing that happened a lot. <laughs> it did more than uh, more than I uh, would like for colleges and universities to continue yeah. to use, right? That would be <laughs> like, a piece of advice. A, Find a something kid besides... with a backpack under a tree. <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> or in a building. Don't forget the buildings. Yes. So he agreed to to do that. And so I would also kept a journal about my um, take on his responses. So that was helpful to me later, just because I decided I've got enough material here to write an essay about um, this experience. So that was one of the first things I did with um, the gleanings. Well, first more outwardly facing thing I had done with the gleanings that I had taken from, from him. Being a visual person in marketing and communications, I thought, I wonder what my, the rest of my team can learn about, about this process too, because um, there was just a lot. And so I talked to them and I said, what do you think about if we tape all this stuff up on the wall? Like, yeah, we could put it in a box, but then it's in a box and we'll probably forget about it. And so um, I went out and I even bought uh, Central's colors are red and white. And so I even got branded tape. Um, nice. And uh, uh, for for the four years of this project, we taped every everything up on the wall uh, in the communications offices wow. at Central. So you really kind of got a feel of the 
start and stop and lurch and progression in a different way than you do if it had just been in in a box. And I think too, um, some of the things that we noticed um, from that process was you could like tell, oh, these were done by vendors. These were actually done by the college and university. Oh, these were sent not only done by vendors, but the admission office did not involve the communications team in the, (laughs) in the evaluation of this document. Um, And so like, those were some of the things that we picked up. You know, we also would, we saw some trends over, over time. And obviously in the middle of all this, unfortunately, we had to deal with a little thing called a pandemic. So there was a really abrupt change then. I've often wondered what things might have looked like at over the four years had we not had had a pandemic. Um, you know, I can share at some point how many pieces of material he received, but um, I, I think it probably would have been more if we hadn't had that pandemic in the middle of all of that. Did you print out emails and paste those up as well? No, we did not do that because there w- would not have been enough um, <laughs> enough wall space. In fact, with the pieces that um, he received, I actually had my husband um, come down to Central and he measured. We're estimating um, about 900 square feet of wall wow. space for the four years of just the print materials. But Emery did give me um, access to all of his um emails in his school account. So I could go in at any time. He would usually just put them in a folder um, for me, and then I would sort them by college or university. So I could see how many he was getting from different places and what the the, the themes of the uh, week or day um, or year might, might be. He did not even journal about those. Um, he quickly learned that that was just going to be way more much way more of a time commitment so again that's also why this is not a scientific study right we we didn't even look at unfortunately we didn't talk much about um uh, websites or social media or videos um, and you know so many of the other in- integrated marketing tools that are important to the work that we do so this really is just a glimpse at like a few of the things that my son experienced during that that piece hey all i hope you're enjoying this episode of confessions of a higher ed cmo I want to take a moment to thank my friends at MindPower who are making season two of this Involify podcast possible. MindPower is a full-service marketing and branding firm celebrating nearly 30 years of needle-moving, thought-provoking, research-fueled creative and strategy. MindPower is woman-founded and owned, WBENC certified, nationally recognized, and serves the social sector, higher education, healthcare, nonprofits, and more. The MindPower team is made up of strategists, storytellers, and experienced creators. From market research to brand campaigns to recruitment to fundraising, the agency exists to empower clients, amplify brands, and help institutions find a strategic way forward. You can learn more about their work in the world by heading on over to MindPower Inc. That's M-I-N-D-P-O-W-E-R-I-N-C.com. And be sure to tell the crew that Jamie sent you their way. When I was looking at your your findings, I was struck by some of the metrics, like some of the the sheer volume. Can you tell us a little bit about what some of those statistics are for the materials that he received? Sure. Um, well, over four years, he was recruited by 90 different colleges and universities. Wow. And he he was a good student. I mean, he's not, you know valedictorian of his class by any means, but when he was in uh, uh, elementary school, he was part of the Talented and Gifted program. And so when he was in seventh grade as part of that program, he did take the PSAT, Mm. which is also why I do think that he started receiving college materials um, right before his first year of high school. Um, And I also think simultaneously, Jamie, that the pandemic postponed the timing for when many of his other uh, classmates who hadn't been part of that program started getting materials because they sometimes weren't getting things until like mid junior year. So very shortened um, recruitment um, phase for them. So 90 different colleges and universities over that four year period, he received 5,228 emails. Oh, were they um, all from Miami? <laughs> that's about how many we sent. <laughs> 
He also received 300 postcards and then another total 300 other direct mail pieces that varied from letters and view books to um, flyers and pamphlets and th those kinds of things. I didn't really go deeper into categorizing those. Um, there was just a, a lot of them. And he also received 27 handwritten notes. Mm. Um, uh, I thought that was an interesting, you know, dif differentiation. And then um, finally, one Frisbee. He received <laughs> one Frisbee in the mail. <laughs> Did he receive any other swaggy type things, pens, t-shirts, anything like that? <clears throat> um, you know, the other items like that that he got uh, were not mailed. Um, okay. They were all part of like campus visits and, and that kind of thing. So um, nothing out of the blue in those early recruitment days before he had kind of finally raised a hand and applied or gone for for a visit, you know, that triggered, I, you know, more, more activity and swag. But in those those early days. Rather, I think um, the swag opportunity came with, hey, fill out this form and we'll send you a tip sheet on five ways to get into the colleges of your dream world or, you know, variations on that theme. Did um, he do any of those? Things? No, no. <laughs> no, he did not. Um, he adamantly refused because he totally knew that what all of uh, all of us were after were his email address and his um uh, phone number. In fact, at one point he told me that um, he didn't understand why colleges and universities asked for that information because he was already getting enough stuff and didn't they realize that. So yeah. I, again, you know, I thought that was an interesting perspective. Um, one thing that I also found interesting is that over the course of the time that he was um, doing this, he did occasionally get um, emails and a, a small handful of letters that said, thank you for requesting this information that he didn't request. Oh, interesting. I was immediately accused of, hey, mom, you filled out this request for me. I know you did. And I honestly, other than, you know, the only interference I had was asking him to please fill out his journal. Like this needed to be his his college experience. And I didn't want to um, drive that in, in any way. So even though it was really hard, 100% as the marketing mom, not to fill out some of those because I was dying to see yeah. them. Yeah, um, right? <laughs> I, I didn't. I didn't fill any of those out. So yeah, that was interesting. That's amazing. 90 colleges. I feel like that offers us a, a pretty good glimpse at what it's like to sort of have to stand out from the noise if you're right. recruiting those high ability students, I remember my sister's going to hate this story, but um, <laughs> I got a very high score on my ACT and it was every day was view books. I mean, it was just view books, view books, view books, view books, view books. This was like really long time ago. So there wasn't really internet <laughs> and like email then. Right. Um, but, but my sister who did not get as high a score, she's a very smart person, but she did not test on standardized tests as well as I did. Um, didn't get that many. And my parents had thought that that was like, what I got was what every kid got, oh, sure. you know? Yeah. So it was like this, you know, this, this massive pile to have to sort through. Um, but 90 is a lot to try to, you know, and then spoiler, this is spoiling it for, for listeners, but did he end up at any of the schools he was receiving materials from? And I know where he ended up, but the listeners don't. Yes, he, he did end up at one of the places that he was receiving materials from. And ironically, of all the places that uh, he ended up going to, I'm still surprised to this day because it had one huge disadvantage that the other places did not, and that was that I worked there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he he was very adamant that he was not going to be going going to Central, but we continued to send him stuff and invite him to campus visits, and he kind of finally acquiesced, um, and he loved the campus visit. And so even despite the fact that I was working there at the time, he, he did, um, did choose Central College, and I think I have some numbers somewhere I did. Uh, they were on the lower end, actually, of some of the um, places in terms of um, how many pieces he received over the course of four years. I, I counted them, um, including the emails. And I don't remember the email count off the top of my head, but 
over four years, you got, a, I think it was a little over 40 um, pieces from Central that included um, at the end things after he had deposited. So we were trying to prevent melt and, mm. and those so- sorts of things. Um, one college sent him um, 387 emails over the course of the four years. They were the winner, winner, chicken dinner on on the number of uh, emails um, uh, sent. And they were so, so random, like, you know, and he, they didn't know much about him. So I kind of understand the, the randomness. Like yeah. they didn't know he was a music major or music, um, a guy who liked music and maybe wanted to major in communications and they didn't know. And so I think they were just throwing all the darts on the the board to see if anything would would stick. I'm dying to know what school it is, but I'm not going to make you yep. edit. But I am nope. going to ask if it was Miami. University. No. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's about the volume that, that we were sending to prospective students oh. when I was there. Yeah. Nope. I I I'll, I can assure you it was not it, that one was not Miami. <laughs> and again, you know, this whole process too. I'm not going to out anybody. I you know we all make mistakes. And I think the other thing too that like the spirit in which I I uh, approached this project was what can we learn from it how can we make each other better um because at the end of the day we all make make mistakes and do silly things that um you know maybe uh didn't didn't work as well as we thought they did in our in our um in our heads so yes (laughs) and there's also like the external pressure like i i hate to say this but you know that was a precedent where more is better you know, so it was like, how many emails did you send? A hundred. Well, let's send 200 because maybe that will double our results or whatever. So, you know, so you just don't know what the comms teams were dealing with on, on that side of things. Oh, too. right. Yeah. And, and again, I think, um, you know, what I learned even would be like some talking points to talk to that president um, about like, do we really want to send more emails to kid, uh, the average kid who might be getting 5,228 emails over the course of four years in the same inbox as the homework assignments that they're getting yeah. for, for school? Um, Emery did not include his social um, calendar stuff in that. When he agreed to let me do it, he moved that over into a different email account, which I don't, I, again, it was all very done very respectfully. But, you know, they're also like having their life in, in yeah. there too. And it's hard to filter out, um, especially when um, on any busy calendar day besides doing homework and participating in extracurricular activities, there's homecoming and um, dating and um, all those all those things. So like the just life. Yeah, yeah. It make it, it definitely helps kids learn how to be allergic to email. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Then we're shocked when they don't read their email when they get to campus. Right. Yes. We so kind of trained them. <laughs> so are there trends that you noticed? Was, were there volume shifts? And I know the pandemic may have influenced this a little bit, but did you see any trends or shifts over the four years? Yeah. You know, obviously that first year, it was a trickle. There wasn't a ton. Things started picking up um, for him uh, in the fall of his sophomore year. Um, and those would have been those search pieces with those um, themes of fill out this form and we'll send you um information that we know you're dying to have. And um, (laughs) he was still getting those when the pandemic kind of opened up um, the the door to that fun time. Um, And things just like shriveled to next to nothing in terms of those uh, direct mail pieces, but the email really amped up at that point. Because I think we were all, um, you know, hunting and trying to figure out how can we stay in touch in this crazy, undecisive world. As things started rolling back up again, um, the first thing I noticed was that QR codes were back. Mm, And I had to eat some crow after that because I had literally in 2019 said, QR codes are dead. No no (laughs) one's using them. Um, And they came back uh, in full force. And, you know, some colleges really took that to... um, advantage and branded them and did them well 
and other colleges just went with the free um, little square that you could get off of any any service. And I'm telling you, those uh, branded ones are pretty dang impressive as he progressed into, once he started making visits and, and talking to counselors, he did start getting more personal mail. And I will share with you that um, one of the things that we talked about at, at Central was, can we do some more like handwritten notes, even before mm. they're um, more more serious in the funnel. What can we do to attract a kid who's, you know, in in the pool is maybe an inquiry but hasn't applied? How can we use um, a handwritten note to affect change? Um, and then the other trend, Jamie, that I saw um, was that more and more colleges started offering um, scholarships, or as my son called them fake scholarships um, <laughs> to come to campus for a visit day. The offerings were, I think the lowest one I saw was like for $400. And then there was a one college that offered a $4,000 scholarship if you would just come to campus for um, a visit one day. Wow. And you're totally right. That I think I saw in your, your PowerPoint that um, your son said they're just tacking that on to the yeah. price of tuition. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, kind of seeing right through that. Yeah, that, um, he's the, very savvy. He well, I he is a, <laughs> I, I, you know I am a mo- uh, that proud mom marketer. <laughs> yeah. So it's yeah, he made the dean's list on the first uh, his first semester of college too at Central. So um, I'm I'm annoyingly proud of him. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so did you, are there any pieces that stood out positively, and were the pieces that stood out positively to him different from the ones that stood out to you? Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so he was, I found him to be very tactical. So the feel of the paper was very mm. important to him. Um, so he would spend more time with something if he liked how it felt. Oh. Um, another thing, and this surprised me, and it, it also, I think, um, at least every college and university I've ever worked at, especially if there's like, you know, 50 to 70 or more um, majors, this is like the bane of our existence. But um, he loved the major lists and the Mm -hmm. minor lists, and he poured over those and um, kind of used those as a deciding factor on whether he was going to spend much more time with with a piece. And if a major that he was thinking about wasn't included in the uh, list, it just got pushed aside and didn't get uh, looked at again. If it was there, then he would spend more time with um, a piece and and dive in and um, at least read it um, or skim it. Yep. Were there pieces that stood out to you that he was like, eh? Actually, one more thing that he was also enamored by is the use of his name. Mm. So the more personalized a piece was, the more he liked it. Um, and, and creative uses of his name, too. So like a postcard that just said Emery in big letters on the front side, and that didn't use trees or buildings. <laughs> <laughs> um, that 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 grabbed his attention and kind of, I think in his journal, um, Jamie, at one point he wrote, yeah, that kind of made me feel a little special oh. um, in, in a real way. Um, so, which also surprised me because it was a postcard and you and I both know that that's just, you yeah. know, variable data, it's but, um, yeah. <laughs> right. But again, it's super easy. So why aren't we doing it? Right. Yeah, um, absolutely. And the bad part is now, you know, we're sharing all these trade secrets and then everybody will start doing it. But <laughs> <Right>. um, <laughs> I, I, again, I think it's also, we all just, all just need to learn how to be thoughtful. For me, in terms of what uh, stood out the most was like I could literally see um, or like to kid myself that I could. I could see when a college or a university had a plan based on the flow of communications he was getting from them or if they didn't. Um, you know, we I saw everything from those 90 colleges to one place sent him one email and that was it. And we never heard from them again. Oh. And like, why did you even bother? Yeah. You know, what, what are you, what are you hoping to get out of that? You know, one, one email. And then I did share with you the other institution that had sent 387 emails and they, they were also the highest performing direct mail piece mm. university for him. They won on all fronts of bombarding him with information <laughs> digitally and in the, in the U.S. Postal Service. Was he impressed by the Frisbee? Um, no, 
<laughs> Good to know before we all rush out and spend yeah. you know, $5 uh, on a Frisbee. The thing that amazed me about that Frisbee, first of all, it came in the mail. There was a, a message. It was about um, a visit day and um, uh, a scholarship offer for that particular visit day. So that was impressive that it did not come in an envelope. It was mailed as an irregular parcel. So it was the Frisbee itself. And then on the underside uh, of the Frisbee, it had the, the mail label. And wow. that, that was it. Um, so it was very intriguing to me from that perspective. And I also have to tell you, even though Emery thought it was ridiculous, and those were his words in his um, journal, I will share that the thing that I, I want to give props to that college for is out of that massive amount of material, they were the only college or university that sent him a, a Frisbee. So it was memorable. Um, and I was like, uh, kind of wondering if we could harness that creativity in, in a little bit different way. What could we have um, accomplished? But I still want to give them props for thinking out of the box and trying something new and recognizing that, you know, we wanted to, they needed to get some uh, attention in a different way. That, yeah, I, I, I'm very intrigued by the Frisbee being mailed just as the Frisbee. That's, yeah. that's really interesting. I'm also curious, you mentioned a little bit about the photography. Were there certain types of photography that resonated with him better? Mm -hmm. He liked groups of student pictures. Mm, interesting. Th those were attractive to the, him. Um, and I think, again, it was like, where do I fit? you know, in, into this. Another thing that I thought was interesting um, over the course of four years, and I doubt he would have noticed this if he hadn't been writing in a journal, um, but also in, uh, for awareness purposes, he never came to my office at Central. So once it left the house, it was kind of out of mind, you know? Yeah. Um, but it was amazing to me what he did remember over collectively over the four years there was one college that for every visit day they did um, they literally picked a different campus building with a different tree and they did a, a color overlay um, that was branded for them and then the front of the over that then put come see our to our visit day on such and such a, such a date and um, in his journal he wrote yeah I've gotten like six of these exact same postcards from this this college so because of that journal entry, I went back and looked at them. They actually weren't exactly the same, but they were so similar that he thought they were the same. And that really stood out to him. Um, there was another college um, that over the four years, I had counted this one too. They sent him a total of 30 different um, pieces over the four-year period. And he did not apply there. So none. Of, it was all like apply or informational about their university. And they had a favorite picture that they used three different times wow. on three different postcards. Two of them were for a visit day and one was about, I think, financial aid. And they used the same lovely young lady um, to, to um, promote that. And you know, you know, if you think about that, that's 10% of the content that they sent to him. They used the same um, exact student who didn't really resonate um, to my, my son. And um, he even wrote in his journal, do they not have any other students? I want to see the other students. Um, <laughs> so that's really um, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm curious. I'm very, I would love to talk to that uh, communication staff about did they just run out of time? Did they just not have enough photography? Like what drove that decision? You know, I, I thought the same the same thing, too. And again, there was, you know, for all of us, at least four to six months, right, where we weren't getting any fresh, fresh photos or, yeah. or content. But surely our libraries are should be, <laughs> should be a little more extensive than than that. So I I mean, she was she was beautiful. <laughs> um. <laughs> it's interesting that that wasn't necessarily um appealing to your son, I worked with somebody before I was like the senior level communicator at a previous institution. And the senior level communicator said, always put pretty girls on the front because boys want to see pretty girls go there and girls want to see that pretty girls go there. So I thought it was, it was like, never put a boy. Nobody cares about the boys. <laughs> the, everybody cares about the girls. And there was no science to that, but that's, that's right? an interesting juxtaposition. Well, and you know, it, 
maybe I don't know when your leader was um, sharing that information with you, but I think the other thing too is that the times are changing and they're changing faster. And I think with uh, this generation of students too, like they're not afraid to share their opinion or or be thoughtful about what's important to to them and. Um, diversity was really uh, important to mm. um, my son um, in terms of uh, are there diverse students on on campus and is the college and university showing that all colleges are trying to make sure that they're being sensitive to to that. But again, I think just something to pay attention to for for all of us as well. Yeah, absolutely. When I was at the AMA Higher Ed Symposium in November in the senior leadership um, experience, I'm not sure if you were there or not. It was a pretty packed room, but um, we had a panel with a bunch of students. And one of the things that jumped out at me was their emphasis on A, showing diversity on the campus, and then B, they were super interested in accessibility. On the panel, about half the panel was saying like if they couldn't find information about accessibility within a few clicks, they just ruled the school out. Um, One of them did, I believe, have a visual impairment. So for her, it was a very practical matter, right? right? But some of them, it was like they just, they cared about the world. And if they felt it was important that if the school wasn't showcasing its accessibility, that they they didn't want that wasn't a place they wanted to be and my gosh i love gen z cuz that's that's right? a tremendous way to think about things right it's all for one one for all and in ways that I, certainly when i was applying to colleges wasn't the case no absolutely yeah. <laughs> so i'm curious about how did your son if at all use the materials to make a decision about his college choice i know you said the visit kind of sold him mm-hmm. um, but as he narrowed his list, did the pieces play a role in that? Um, yes, because um, there were some colleges that he would have never heard of, being someone who grew grew up in the middle of Iowa, right? Um, and in fact, so he ended up applying to five colleges total, and um, uh, three of them were not in Iowa. Two were in Iowa. Um, the th- the other three were really in far-flung places, mm-hmm. and they were all selected because they were one of the 90 colleges that um, had um, been sending him oh. things. Uh, the other reason why he selected them was because they were far, far, far away from home, and he <laughs> <laughs> he fancied himself as um, uh, someone who was going to go strike it out there yeah. and... Um, uh, Obviously, he was paying attention, and obviously, it drove him to apply to three colleges that he never would have heard of otherwise. At the end of the day, though, and this is the part, right? Like having our whole livelihoods, Jamie, contingent on the decision making process of 17 year olds <laughs> um, is like uh, this process was definitely for me, like even more eye opening into how mind boggling that truly is. Um, Again, my husband and I tried to be there for Emory to have conversations. We both have attended college, but he also kind of wanted to do it on his own. He's a, he doesn't have siblings, so he is an only child. In 100% honesty, while he was in high school, the counselors were also scrambling. So there wasn't a lot of, I think, oh. some of those traditional things that high school counselors spend time on with with students. And so he was kind of clueless on how to make a decision. Yeah. And um, so I think he picked three big colleges far, far away from home and then had these two other colleges that he'd heard of before um, and um, kind of went from it there. Um, he did go on um, a number of college visits and um, what um, he found uh, varying degrees of welcoming, and that matters. That mm-hmm. mattered to him more than I ever would have thought. We were able to get him in to do a overnight visit, and he loved being able to eat in the cafeteria and stay in the residence halls with um, another music student. He got to jam in the band, go to practice one night. Um, so his final decision making, I think, came down to the fact that he 
really, really had a great visit. The red carpet was literally, you know, shown to him. And um, even though, but this is where it gets frustrating because what I also see is like our work is so hard because at the end of the day, oh, how much does it matter? Um, (laughs) Because the other decision making factor was that he chose a college that's 45 minutes away from his home where he can go home and see his pet guinea pigs as often as he wants to. Um. <laughs> oh, yeah. that's awesome. That you can't <laughs> overcome the guinea pigs, right? No. Like, and we, yeah. there's no way for us to know about the guinea pigs. No, <laughs> no, no. Or, or even any, you know, tough situation that yeah. a student might be going through, whether something's happening with a sibling or a parent or, you know, all of that is just beyond any grasp that, that we can have, um, which is, again, another reason why I think relationships with the admission department are really, really crucial, because that's where I think some of that information can be be garnered. You know, we have we help with that top um, end of the funnel, and then hopefully we can turn it over to our wonderful peers in the admission office who can figure out that this kid needs a um, on-campus overnight visit and he needs to eat the vegan food in the cafeteria because it will help him make that decision and give him that relational conversation and support. At a, at a previous institution, somehow we collected like the names of people's pets and we were, and I don't know if we actually did it or only talked about it, but we sent, we talked about sending a postcard to the pet of the student with like a, like, so, so at this institution, the president had two dogs and they were very popular and they were always out on campus. And so it was from those dogs saying like, bark, 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 bark. And then like a (laughs) translation of, you know, we know your, your person is looking at our school. We'll take good care of them. They'll get to pet and scratch us and all that kind of thing. And I, I don't know if it was a good idea or a bad idea because, you know, it's so hard to measure the metrics on right. some of these things. But um, I thought that was kind of like a fun way to maybe show, like stand out in the crowd a little bit. But yeah. I feel like the guinea pig, like that that's like a whole nother like right. level of animal to, to try to communicate with. I know. And, you know, it's, I mean, at least with dogs or cats, you can like, if you wanted to, you could probably send them some branded like overshirt, right? Yeah. They don't make small enough ones like that for a guinea pig. (laughs) When I got to Miami, I had my, my, my baby tortoise. He was kind of a baby then. I think he was six months old. And I was trying to buy like stuffed animal shirts to fit on him to take pictures (laughs) of him. It was very, very challenging, but, but yeah. You, you never know what's going to make something jump out. My college choice was 100% my parents saying, this is where we will pay for you to go to college. Like, yeah. cool, that's where I'm going to college. Oh, right. But you just don't know, like, what what are the decision factors and who's influencing and are they going to like the pretty girl on the cover or not like the pretty girl on the cover and all of that. As you've undertaken this project, what are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned or, or that you'd like to share with the audience? hmm um, well, first of all, the number one thing, well, I have so many number ones. But, um, <laughs> number one, uh, number one A. <laughs> right? 100%. Uh, after literally looking at 5,228 emails, please spend some time on your subject line writing, folks. Mm. I will share with you my personal uh, number one, I hated it the most, um, uh, uh, subject line, and it was, today is your deadline, top candidate. I've said that. No, no, you did not. <laughs> I'm, sure that, I'm sure my institution, at, at least one of them has said something like that. There was a lot of fake, braggy, or congratulatory things. Like Top Candidate is an example of ways that I saw colleges and universities try to uh, deal with that in subject lines and in, in the content that they were, were sending. And again, he saw right right through that. As easy as it is to do um, variable um, mail merges, even in emails these days, even in the subject lines, you know, why even it couldn't have been today is your deadline, Emery. Yeah. Um, 
but the deadline part is another another thing that um, I feel like it's important to talk about um, because there were a lot of emails out of those 5,228 emails that focused on that that theme of today's your deadline. We need this from you today as your deadline. And um, what I really, really hope if anybody doesn't hear anything else that I say today, um, I think a, a great lesson is those are our deadlines. They are not our students' deadlines. And so whatever we can do to actually be more prospective student friendly and thoughtful, I know we talk about the student journey and um, uh, creating um, a, a cast of characters who we might mark market to on our storyboards. Um, but at the end of the day, we're still sending them information about deadlines that are important to us. There are our deadlines. They are not the students' deadlines. They just want to go to prom this week or whatever, right. you know. Yeah. Um, so so something, to, something to think about there. Um, I also, again, highly um, encourage us all to work closely with our vendors. If We need to partner with them, and they're so valuable to the work that we do because a lot of us are working on short um, staffs, and there's not enough of us to go around, and it's hard to keep up in a digital world, so we need expertise. But there's things that we know better also because we're on campus and we know mm-hmm. what our what, who our students are. And um, so we need to make sure that they're hearing that. Um, I recently told a, a, another colleague who was um, working with a vendor who didn't want to meet with them very frequently. And I'm like, they're your vendor. If you want to meet with them quarterly or monthly or weekly, then um, they should want to meet with you that frequently. And if they don't, find another vendor. Yeah. Um, and and partner with them because they're going to do better work for for you and not treat you like a cookie cutter um, college, if you will. Another just quick highlight, Jamie, is I think uh, when you can personalize your content, manage your lists. One story I can share from list management: my son, who has grown up in Iowa and um, is um, very tall and very white and not diverse, you know, received a piece in the mail from a college and university inviting him um, to uh, come to campus on a multicultural um, visit day. And because he was a multicultural student, um, they would give him a scholarship. And, you know, in his journal, he wrote, I'm thinking as a white guy, I'm not eligible for this. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that was, that's a big miss. And it's as simple as just making sure your, your lists are, are clean. One college sent him two of the exact same postcards on the exact same day they landed mm. in our in our mailbox. Ouch. And yeah. And you know, Gen Z love them, but the environment's important to them. They don't they don't want to see two pieces of the same thing on the same day cuz they want better from us. Keep it authentic and focus on what you are good at as a, as a university. And it's not trees and buildings, right? Mm-hmm. And even on those scholarships that we talked about too, why should I come to campus to um, visit? Is it, is it really the $4,000 scholarship? Um, or in the reverse of that, there was one college that offered him, if he came to visit, a $25 dad hat um, or a fanny pack. His choice of for coming to campus to visit was a dad hat or a fanny pack. And um, in his journal on that particular piece, he wrote, you know, round trip, that college is six hours away from my house, and I'm not that interested in them. And a $25 dad hat or, uh, you know, I'm not spending that much time in the car for that. Yeah. <laughs> and, and also, like... It, what what does your university or college have to to, to sell? Keep it focused on yeah. on on that because they do want to know that. My final one, um, and I hear this a lot. You know, there's there can be tension a lot between admission and communication offices. They seem at ends with each other, and I have to tell you, the best work happens in a space where it's um, collaborative and team oriented. And I was really fortunate at Central. That's exactly how we approached it. We did a lot of really incredible things there because um, we were on that journey together. We shared information. Um, We met every week at a designated time with an agenda based on a marketing plan. 
that was flexible because, you know, if things needed to change, we needed to change, you know, what's the data showing us in, in real life, in real time this week? Are we down on FAFSA filings? Do we need to tweak anything that we're doing? Um, how's our student demographic shaping up for the, the next class? Do we need to tweak anything with that? I mean, those were the kind of conversations that we we were having um, amongst um not just me and the vice president for enrollment. It was our, our team members all participating in this conversation and affecting change and making um, a difference. And I, I can't tell you how much I felt like that really mattered to the work that we were doing. And it just made it a lot more fun to do too. <laughs> There's I, I cannot even stress enough how amazing it is when you have a good relationship with enrollment management and right. how you get those sparks that come together and it always feels good when they're like, oh, something's down in this area and you can kind of be agile and come up with a, you know, a potential solution to help bring those numbers up or, you know, whatever. It's just, there's magic in there. And I, I hate when I hear about campuses where the, the CMO and the enrollment management people don't get along. Right. Like that's just, you're, you're both missing out so much. And so are our prospective students, yeah. right? Yeah. And and the campus community. So can't yeah. agree with you more. Yep. Ego doesn't have a place in this. No. But no. unfortunately, it often often gets in the way. But um, I feel really, really lucky. So, Denise, this has been absolutely fabulous and hopefully very enlightening for people. If people are interested in learning more, where can they find you? Probably the best place to find me is on LinkedIn. That's where I, I keep most of my professional comments and, and work right there. So reach out. I'd love to hear from you. And she's written a couple of articles um, about this as well. I'm sure if you, you Google her name and you'll be able to find them. Um, it was for Higher Ed Dive. Is that right? Uh, yep, that's correct. Yeah, yep. there, there's, uh, there's two. Um, I actually uh, just completely devoured both of them because they oh. really... Got into this on, on a really great level. Um, so yeah, so you definitely reach out to Nice if you have any questions about that. If you have any questions for me, um, as always, you can find me on Twitter at Jamie Hunt IMC, J-A-I-M-E-H-U-N-T-I-M-C. I'm also on LinkedIn. I'm spending a lot more time over on LinkedIn these days. So hope to see you over there. And as always, please use the hashtag HireEdCMO to engage in conversation about this on either of those platforms. Denise, any last thoughts before we close? Uh, I think just keep fighting the good fight. Your work matters. Learn from it. And if something doesn't work like you had hoped, try again. And in a sea of materials, your whole livelihood does not matter on just one piece. <laughs> that's, that's, really, that's really good advice. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks for listening, everybody, and bust some of those silos. Hey y'all, Zach here from Enrollify. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Confessions of a Higher Ed CMO with Jamie Hunt. If you liked this episode, do us a huge favor and hit that follow and subscribe button below. Furthermore, if you've got just two minutes to spare, we would greatly appreciate you leaving a rating and a review of this show on Apple Podcasts. Our podcast network is growing by the month, and we've got a plethora of marketing, admissions, and higher ed technology shows that are jam-packed with stories, ideas, and frameworks that are all designed to empower you to become a better higher ed professional. But Enrollify is far more than just a podcast network. Enrollify is where higher ed comes to learn new marketing skills, discover new products and services, and find their next job. We're a growing learning community of 4,000 members, and we'd love to welcome you into the fold. You can access our free blog articles, newsletters, e-courses, and more, or purchase our master course on how to market a university with Terry Flannery at enrollify.org. We look forward to meeting you soon and welcoming you into the community. Again, you can subscribe for free at enrollify.org.